0: because we all like to talk about ourselves. And, and I think that it's so important to listen. Listen to, to your team, listen to your
1: kids. You wrote hundreds of columns. Is there any column that generated the most reaction from the people you were trying to reach?
2: The sermon on uh, Christian faith and homosexuality in which I preached in favor of accepting homosexuals, gay, and lesbian people. I believe that uh, people are people and that we ought not to judge them on the basis of their sexual
1: orientation. When did you know that you wanted to have a career in broadcasting?
3: Believe it or not, from the time I was eight years old, I found radio to be magic and I wanted to be a radio announcer.
4: Brad Taylor, and he's the author of a book called Intentional Success, The Power of Entrepreneurism. If you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you'll know how near and dear going into business for yourself is to me, and Brad is a person who has a lot of experience in this field, so I'm really anxious to talk to him today. He was followed by the late Reverend Dale Turner, who was a major influence in the Seattle area for many years to come. He was followed by the late, great legend, Jim French, the king of Seattle radio for many years. I had a radio show in the 1990s on Kixie, a sister station of KKNW. I had a segment on the show called Profiles of Experience. If you were living in the Seattle area the last quarter century of the 20th century, you would be very familiar with those names. The segment was sponsored by U.S. West, and again, if you lived in Seattle at that time, U.S. West was one of seven regional Bells operating companies that was created after the breakup of AT&T. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer. I'm not very religious, but I read the Reverend Dale Turner's column in the Seattle Times religiously. He wrote from the heart and the brain, and possessed a great deal of common sense. He also was a profile in courage, stepping up very early on for the cause of equal rights for gays, his most controversial stand of his career. He talks about this during this interview. Jim French was an institution on Cairo Radio from 1959 to the late 1980s, early 90s. He later began a production of Imagination Theater, His syndicated programs are broadcast in over 120 radio stations in the United States and Canada. I also will play an edited version of New Rules from HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher, which airs on Friday nights.
5: You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word.
4: Brad Taylor has joined me and he's the author of a book called Intentional Success, The Power of Entrepreneurism. And Brad's going to be in Lake Forest Park at Third Place Books this Friday night. I'll get into details about that after the interview. I first wanted to ask Brad, why and how did he become an entrepreneur?
0: That's a great question, Paul, because uh, I think I've been an entrepreneur all my life from the time I was, you know, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old, having paper routes and then starting a landscaping business, etc. I mean, I think that it was in my DNA.
4: So you really thought that you wanted to be this your whole life. That's interesting because I had a paper route as well. You became an entrepreneur, but I never made that connection.
0: Yeah, you know, (laughs) I used to go to the library and read about, you know, entrepreneurs and and just people, inventors, and all my siblings thought I was crazy. But in the 45 plus years that I've been working, you know, other than five years of working for someone who is my first true mentor, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. And I think it was hard when uh, when my wife and I got married in the uh, in the uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, we uh, you know, she was a registered nurse. And so it was a whole different mindset because she was an employee. She had that employee mentality. And here she's marrying an entrepreneur. And we kind of talk about that in my book, Intentional Success uh, of, of marrying an entrepreneur.
4: Yeah, I had a very similar circumstance, but, you know, it's interesting, your, I guess, path to it was different than mine, and you say this is something you wanted to do pretty early on in your life, and um, this is something that I backdoored my way into. I mean, I worked for the government, I worked for private enterprise, and then I worked for the government again, I started a nonprofit, etc. et cetera, and I was kind of out of options. It never really occurred to me to be an entrepreneur. But what the next choice was was living on a park bench, so I thought I would give this a shot. Now, I had those, I guess, desires to be that I really wanted to run my own organization. But again, it was very late for me in terms of wanting to do this. Do you find that with other people, both sides of the uh, equation, when you talk to them?
0: Well, not everyone has the guts or is willing to risk, uh, basically risk it all to to become an entrepreneur and i think i respect both sides of the equation um because you really have to be willing to just take that leap of faith and believe enough in yourself and have that confidence to make that decision and if you do make that decision to become an entrepreneur you cannot have an option b because the people that have an option B typically will fail because they have that safety net to go back to when adversities and challenges and struggles, uh, you know, face you. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it takes a real special person. But I will tell you this I read something recently that 40% of the Americans by the year, I think it's 2021 or something, will be entrepreneurs in some way, shape, or form. Um, Either they'll have a second business where they're still working, the traditional business, but that entrepreneurship, I think, is growing leaps and bounds.
4: And I couldn't agree with you more about that plan B, not to have that, you have to throw that out the door, because there are certain times you're going to hit and you're going, why am I doing this? And if you have that safety net, as you said, you probably will take it.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> it 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 was really hard for my wife when she when we got married because here she's marrying somebody that has been an entrepreneur basically all his life, and she 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 liked that that comfort zone. But I will tell you this: it wasn't even six years after we were married that we talked. And we said, look, if we're really going to accomplish our goals together, you know, we need to work together. And she was a pediatric nurse. So basically, she gave up her license that she worked so hard to get, and we never looked back.
4: Interesting. Similar circumstance with my wife, but a little different angle. She was working for corporate America, and one of the reasons that she was attracted to me was because I was an entrepreneur. And she felt that that sort of trajectory led me to be a a different type of person, which she was attracted to.
0: I think that entrepreneurs bring a whole different mindset, not just, you know, I think to the whole family atmosphere, because I think your kids, as they watch you, have a different appreciation for what you do and all of our all of our kids over the years have watched you know us work really hard and have some struggles and have some successes obviously and uh i think they have a better appreciation for um what we do um because you know nothing's handed to you and that's how we've tried to raise our kids over the years
4: you have a outline that is uh, said about 12 intangibles to success, and there's 12 of them. We can't get all through those. And so as I read your 12 intangibles of success, one of those is relatability. Could you expand on that?
0: Yeah, I think that today we all, no matter whether we're in the professional arena or we're just a husband or a, a dad or mom, we have to listen more. And we can't be so quick to come to an opinion or, or I, I, you know, my wife always points out to me that, you know, we're in an atmosphere where I'm meeting someone or we're talking to, to friends or, or, or business associates and, and someone is telling me a story and I really, really relate to that story. So I start to inject my two cents into the story because I can really relate to what they're saying. And my wife would always say, Brad, it's not about you and your stories. It's about them and the stories they are sharing. And, I, and I, I just, I love to use that analogy because we all like to talk about ourselves. And and I think that it's so important to listen. Listen to to your team, listen to your kids, listen to your wife, your spouse, your significant other and and because at the end of the day we can get so much more accomplished and we can really understand truly what someone's saying by listening and just just responding with with small little tidbits of of questions or comments and i think you know it's human nature just to talk and sometimes we lose sight of listening and I think that's really what you, relatability is. It's it's having that communication skill, which is really hard. It was hard for me just in the
4: simple example I, I shared with you. Very interesting. There's an article in the New York Times this morning called Listening. You should read it because it, it. says exactly <laughs> what you just said. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate your time again. That's Brad Taylor, and he's the author of a book called Intentional Success, The Power of Entrepreneurism." And he will be at Third Place Books and Lake Forest Park next Friday, March 15th at 6 o'clock p.m.
1: retired Reverend Dale Turner, pastor for over 50 years, of which he spent 24 of those years at the University Congregational Church, is our guest this morning on U.S. West Profiles of Experience. Uh, Reverend Turner, what attracted you to your profession?
2: Well, I uh, planned at the outset of my life, early years, to become an athletic coach, and I studied all through uh, college to that end, getting a major in physical education, but uh, I somehow felt called to the ministry reluctantly, though, because I was uh, shy. I hated to uh, express my opinions publicly, but I wrestled with the problems and decided to go to Yale Divinity School. Went to a church in Lansing, Michigan, worked as a youth leader, and then also coached football in a high school there. Then I moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, worked with young people and uh, coached in a junior college. Then decided that we lost so many games, I better go into the ministry.
1: What brought you out to Seattle originally?
2: Well, our church is uh, each each uh, local church is autonomous. The pastor where I served retired. I, I came out here and uh, was interviewed and, and uh, was called, and so I've enjoyed every bit of it. Great church and a great 24 years.
1: You wrote hundreds of columns. Is there any column that generated the most reaction from the people you were trying to reach?
2: The sermon on uh, Christian faith and homosexuality, in which I preached in favor of accepting homosexuals, gay, and lesbian people, I believe that uh, people are people, and that we ought not to judge them on the basis of their sexual orientation. I guess that sermon stands out because it evokes enough response from people, both pro and con. Do
1: you think society is getting better?
2: Hard. There'd be a fallacy of sampling to uh, say either way. I, I think in our world, there are an awful lot of good people that are making the world better and brighter more loving but uh, obviously one needs only to read the papers to uh, know there are a lot of rascals still loose in the world
1: if you could change anything though with the snap of a finger what would that be
2: well I would uh, change racism I, I think it's deeply embedded in in the human nature to uh, well uh, we, we hear preaching that all people are created equal
1: Congregational Church. Reverend Turner, thank you so much for spending time on Profiles of Experience.
2: Nice to visit with Paul.
5: You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word.
1: Jim French became a fixture on Seattle radio the year Dwight D. Eisenhower was elected to his first term as president. Jim's award-winning Cairo Mystery Playhouse is still heard on Cairo Saturday and Sunday nights between 9 and 10 p.m. Good morning, Jim, and welcome to Profiles of Experience. When did you know that you wanted to have a career in broadcasting?
3: Believe it or not, from the time I was eight years old, I... I found radio to be magic, and I wanted to be a radio announcer.
1: Did you have a particular personality that inspired you?
3: Uh, Not at that early age. Later on, a disc jockey at a local station in Pasadena, California, became my mentor, and I unconsciously copied every mannerism he had until the rest of the announcers on the staff began to rib him and me. But uh, he was such a help to me, I guess, that... I naturally copied
1: him. What um, criteria, Jim, do you use when deciding on who is going to be a guest on your show?
3: I've always felt that it had to be somebody with some relevance to local topics or national topics that were in the news, or it had to be a major personality. That ruled out first-time authors
1: of novels and so forth. What then makes a successful interview generally and do you have a couple of favorite interviews that you could share with the audience specifically? What
3: makes a successful interview is one in which the interviewee tells a story and as far as a favorite interview I've had many Uh, it's hard to pin down one that would be a, a special favorite of mine.
1: Do you like the direction that radio is headed now?
3: Well, tell me what direction radio is headed, and I'll tell you whether I like it.
1: Well, how about talk radio, consolidation of stations?
3: Well, talk radio is, is no longer a direction. It's a destination, and people are beginning to defect from talk radio little by little. And as that shatters, as does every fad, every trend finally disintegrates in favor of some other direction, Uh, I don't know where it's going as far as uh, the consolidation of stations is concerned. I think this is a bad thing, simply because I think that it gives too much latitude, too much possibility of control of the media in the hands of one organization.
1: What are the career opportunities were you interested in pursuing if it wasn't radio?
3: Well, at the outset, none. I'll... I will say that I considered uh, three other things. One was music. I'm a pianist. Uh, the, another one was uh, automotive styling. I, automotive styling. Yeah, I was offered a job in Detroit by the Chrysler Corporation back in the 1950s, and I had to make a major decision as to whether I wanted to quit radio and go back there for about the same money I was making here or pursue radio, and I'm glad I stayed with you.
1: Just uh, one final question, Jim. Are you optimistic about the future of this country?
3: Certainly. Certainly. I, I have a lot of faith in the uh, basic common sense of individuals. You see, the basic ordinary person never captures a headline, doesn't get in the news. It's common sense that will run the country.
1: Jim French, thank you very much for spending time in Profiles of Experience.
3: You're welcome.
6: We've seen two major waves of of human computing interaction since the rise of the Internet. There was, you know, network computing, being able to connect with anyone at any point in the world. There was the mobile revolution and the fact that almost all of us have smartphones in our hands and and in, in many cases in our hands all the time. And the next revolution is likely to be this this shift towards virtual and augmented reality as part of our everyday lives. Cameras are really the most popular feature of our phones today. And what Facebook and Google have done is they have are essentially enhancing the artificial intelligence behind the, the camera view of your phone and looking for features in real time and providing information around what you're seeing. So it could be you're in a store, uh, you pick up a, uh, uh, maybe a gardening tool at Home Depot, and it comes up with reviews of that gardening tool and where, where you can purchase it, what the different options are. Um, uh, basically, being able to recognize objects and scenes in an environment and provide additional information, even without using a headset. This is just using your phone.
4: That's Adam Shepard, co-founder and CEO of Eight a virtual augmented and mixed reality firm just offering a glimpse of what technology is today and what we can expect in the future i'll play my full interview with adam Shepard in an upcoming show segment of new rules which airs on hbo friday nights on real time with bill maher this particular segment addresses hypocrisy and religion
5: and finally new rule now that we know that the least godly man in the world is immensely popular with evangelicals we need no more evidence that religion is antiquated and dangerous we've come a long way Back then, only 16% of Americans identified as non-religious. Now it's 26%. You're welcome. (laughs) Yes, the fastest growing religion in America is no religion at all. Atheism is booming, praise
3: Jesus. (laughs) Uh
5: Now I learned, making religious, that every time you blame religion for so much of the world's misery, religious people say, but Bill the godless cultures like Hitler's Germany and Stalin's Russia and Mao's China were the worst and they had no religion but here's the thing about Nazism Maoism and Stalinism those were religions state religions these dictators didn't get rid of God because they hated religion they get rid of God because they hated competition Same with North Korea today. They claim to be godless communists, but their calendar begins on the day the country's founder, Kim Il-sung, came to earth from heaven. And his son, the next ruler, Kim Jong-il, is believed by North Koreans to have started walking at three weeks old and talking at eight weeks. His first time golfing, he shot a 38 under par. With 11 holes in one, he wrote 1,500 books in three years, narrowly beating out Stephen King. (laughs) When he was born, winter turned to spring. He can make it rain based on his mood. He invented the hamburger. I'm not making that up. (laughs) They're making that up. He invented the hamburger. Talk about a whopper. The reason Trump has an easy sell with evangelicals is because they're hardwired to put faith over reason. Mm. Plus, Trump is the spitting image of the religious con men they grew up with on TV. Mm. He's got Jim Baker's hair (laughs) and Tammy Faye's makeup. He's immune to sex scandals. (laughs) He had a sham university. He doesn't pay taxes. He personifies that prosperity gospel... (laughs) They all spin. Yes, the more money I have, the happier you are. (laughs) That's Trump. The private planes, the traveling salvation show, the home that looks like the Sistine Chapel, including a crying statue, Melania.
4: That's Bill Maher with an edited version of New Rules, which airs on HBO's Real Time with Bill Maher on Friday nights. that's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. I would like to thank Brad Taylor, author of Intentional Success, the Reverend Dale Turner, and radio legend Jim French for resharing their wisdom and experience with us today from interviews I had with them from over 20 years ago. Now, if you'd like to listen to any show for the last year and a half, all you need to do is Google KKNW, then click onto archives. At the bottom of the page, Click on to Voices of Experience and you have arrived at the right place. You can listen to past interviews that include former host of NPR's All Things Considered, Robert Siegel, and the first elected transgender official in the history of California, Lisa Middleton, and a recent show about homelessness that included a visit to the Bread of Life mission in Seattle's Pioneer Square, and also the first American to climb Mount Everest, West Seattle's Jim Whittaker and Chicken Soup for the Soul author and entrepreneur, Mark Victor Hansen. All true voices of experience. My name is Paul Casey, your host and producer of Voices of Experience. You can call me anytime at 206-459-5536. Well, not anytime, preferably during the day. That's 206-459-5536. We can discuss anything about the show. If you have ideas for future programs or maybe want to be a guest, let me know. Again, that number, 206-459-5536. And one more phone number to give out, and that is if you just want to call and leave a voicemail and make a comment about the program, something you agree with, disagree with, or whatever, that number is 425-653-1166. All I ask you to do is keep it short, like 30 seconds, so I don't have to edit it. That number is 425 653 1166.
6: Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right
3: music and the right motivation from world class instructors,
5: we're gonna pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.
3: You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk free with a 30 day home trial.